Today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online is brought to you by the new podcast, Detective Trap from Wonderly. Go check it out for yourself. In fact, go press subscribe on it right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Hey, it's Tony Bruschi along with Jenny and Carol Hughes inviting you to come check out our brand new podcast, Office Horror Stories. You don't get a fart in my presence. It doesn't leave it. When I pick up a cup, I try to take a sip. It's Greg's chew. Like, spit take right into the screen. I know. can't unhear that. It's a show jam-packed. With stories of crazy bosses, insane co-workers, and workplaces from hell. I'm seriously getting in trouble right now for being a hard worker. Pick your ear, nose, rub your eye that clearly probably is pink eye. Here, let me handle those apples for you. So not only is it gross that you're getting bacteria onto the money, but you're getting bacteria up into... something else. And the best part, you're invited to share your workplace nightmare or office horror story as well. Just search office horror stories wherever you download podcasts, click subscribe and start binging away now. You know, I'm single and then I listen to stories like that and I'm like, that person found someone? (laughs) What? You've been carrying on a not so discreet affair with one of the day shift supervisors and it skipped with her and literally thousands of dollars of client money that have been earmarked for employee incentives. I wish I had a kid because if I had a kid, I could call in sick a lot. I could leave early a lot and not saying you know that they were making it up. But yes, I have worked with people who make that shit. Our brand new podcast, Office Horror Stories. New episodes weekly available wherever you download podcasts. Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, what do you do if your childhood playmate is a ghost girl? What do you do if you don't understand why no one else sees this playmate? Today, we hear a real ghost story about a ghostly childhood playmate. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802. Or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown, and quite possibly, the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That is correct. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person. An EPP as we call them. Just go to ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories to become that. Get access to all of our bonus episodes and all the advanced episodes. You get those uh, weeks before they go to the public and the commercial free too. So some great perks of helping support the show, keeping it on the air as well. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Still on the chew and just smoking left and right. Before, before we went on the air today, I went into the kitchen and you had two cigars going. No. It's like, Jen, come on. This is getting to be a bit much. Um, no, I don't <laughs> smoke or chew anything. I know. But the the cough is still going on. It's so terrible. Uh, it sucks. When you were a kid, did you get cough coughing fits like this? Or did really? Yeah. This is something you've always had going on. Yeah. See, I never had it um like this till I was an adult. I mean, I don't have it right now, but you know, when I get it, I get it too. Yeah. And it doesn't go away for quite some time. But it I think I was about 30 when I actually had bronchitis for the first time. And they say once you get bronchitis once, they say, I know it's the most generic thing anyone can ever 
speak. Um, but they say once you get it once, you then tend to get it more and more. I don't know how accurate what they say is, mm-hmm. but it seems to be true. Yeah. And I can't remember a time when I didn't get yeah. bronchitis. So you flip that switch early on mm-hmm. and then it's just always kind of. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could unflip that switch. I know. I wish they had a shot for it. They have a pneumonia shot. Yeah. But no. I don't think that that would. Uh, huh. Maybe someday. Maybe. Someday. I don't know I, what song I'm breaking into, but I'm kind of doing Barbara Streisand-ish. Uh, we're saying someday. Is there a Barbara Streisand song that does someday? I don't know. I don't have the energy to tell you not to <laughs> sing today. Yes! <laughs> you know what? That is a bell ringing for that. No. <laughs> You just have the energy to leave the room. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. We have the pets in here with us today, mm-hmm. um, which is nice because we kind of got the house more settled. So they're they're free to roam a little more than they had been uh, since we moved in. And he's sitting on your lap all nice and happy. Yeah, Barrett's a lap dog now. I don't, I don't know. know why. I don't know. Something changed. Ever since he had that really bad seizure that time, he's been mm-hmm. really sweet. He has. Uh, it was during a storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a little, uh, I call him little little Caesar a little bit. It's horrible. But he's a little dog and he had a seizure. So I kind of, you know, joke with him. And he laughs about it. He doesn't laugh at all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I, I held him. And it's like since then, he's really just enjoyed sitting on laps mm-hmm. and being close to us. So. Before that, he wasn't a lap dog at all. He, he just like, he's like, I will sit over here and look pretty. And you can look at me, and that's it. And then he'd sometimes come up to us at night and whisper weird things in our ears that were kind of derogatory. There was threats and stuff, but that's all stopped. He's been really sweet since. I think he realized that, you know, we'll take care of him when he's not feeling well. That we love him? Well, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It, it flipped a switch in him. So. Yeah, there you go. Just... uh once they have a seizure, it's it makes them better pets. No, that's terrible. <laughs> it's horrible, but it, it seems to be the case there. I don't know. Maybe it was. Uh, maybe he had. A, it was a near death experience. And Could be. It just kind of brought him closer. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number. At real ghost stories online to share your real ghost stories with us. Let's go to our first uh, letter of the day here, and it starts out. If I can scroll down to it. Uh, here we go. Uh, hi guys. I was uh, talking to my uh, great aunt, my grandma's youngest sister. She was telling me how life was as a kid for them here in a small town in South Carolina. Their father, my great grandfather, was a farmer, a sharecropper. He worked for someone back in the day who gave him some land. They had a fallout, and he decided to move his family, his children, and his wife, his grandchildren, my mother. He didn't have much money being a farmer with 13 children, so they moved into a house. Uh, from my understanding, this house was formerly a funeral home. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, my aunt was the youngest of the children, and she would tell me how the lights would go on and off by itself. She said her and her siblings would play in the barn out back on bales of hay. And suddenly, the tractor that was in there turned on by itself. My great-grandfather used to drink and would get into arguments with his wife, and he would get in his car and leave. One night after he came home, everyone thought he was leaving again. They all heard his car crank up and his keys go into the ignition, and they saw the headlights cut on, too. They all experienced something in that house. 
My great-grandfather would burn old coffins left in the barn from the previous owner for firewood. Years later, other people have lived in the house, but since then they burned the house down. I've been in the location where the house once stood. It's very creepy on a long dirt road with no other houses nearby. It's a strange feeling to drive down it. I've had my own personal experiences too. After my grandfather passed in 2008, I could hear his walking cane. I could hear someone knock on the door and there wasn't anyone there. I would also smell his cologne. It's important to mention that before he passed, he kept saying how much he didn't want to be in the hospital and to go home. Maybe heaven home or his actual home. Do you guys think it's possible for one to be that determined to hang around for a while? I never met his wife, my great-grandmother. She died way before I was born. One day, I was in uh, the uh, same house to take a picture. I was looking in the mirror, looked back at it, and there was a face. I didn't know her, but I saw pictures of how she looked. It showed my aunt, and she agreed that it was her mother's face in the picture. I have more experiences, and I'll write them in later. Has anyone else experienced things similar to this? I think that if you have, you know, a reason to really try to hang on, I think sometimes people can defy that time that they're expected to go and just hang on, you know? And choose not to, like, move forward? Or choose not to, you know, pass on. Is that where you get stuck? I don't know. Is that where you get, uh, uh, like, then you need uh, John Edwards to come over and help you cross cross over? over? Yeah. I can't get past the imagery of the burning coffins in the barn. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just firewood. I know, what? but it's so That's, creepy. Oh, gosh. That would be awesome. I, yeah, I was I was kind of cringing, thinking, damn, that was those would make great Halloween decorations. Yeah. Why are you burning them? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm sure that really wasn't the, uh, the mindset. It was more like, we need firewood yeah. uh, right now. And there's some things we aren't using. No one's caring about Halloween decorations at that moment. But uh, what an odd thing to find in a, in a barn. Mm-hmm. Odd things that people find, you know, in their house and on their property and stuff. You know, those stories can go on and on. Um, coffins, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it makes sense for it being a, formerly a funeral home. But, you know, a coffin is something, whether it's been used or not, can still be creepy. Oh, sure. You know, an unused coffin is still going to creep you out as much as one that's been used. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those weird things that if you see it, it's just it's creepy no matter what. No matter what, the coffin will never be a benign object. Right. It's just kind of like, oh, look at look at this cute coffin. You're never going to see them used in like craft stores or uh, or anything it's like no. oh look at the, let's go to the craft fair look at all these great ways they've made coffee tables out of used coffins right. how beautiful maybe we'll see that on hgtv no very soon instead of shiplap and, and subway tile it'll be oh they're using coffin sides to uh to put up around the breakfast bar i don't think anybody's ever gonna do that ever what if there was like just this massive amount of like unused coffins and then they like had to figure out something to do with them that's the thing, though. You're never going to have that problem because you will always have a need for coffins. Unless people just magically stop dying. Yeah, maybe that'll happen. Like, shit, we have all these coffins. What do we do now? That's not going to happen. You know, it's like it's like all the FEMA trailers that you see parked around different areas it's of the country. It's not like the FEMA trailers. <laughs> it's like, gosh, what do we do with all those FEMA trailers? They're just sitting there rotting. No. That would be a, a reality show right there. What? FEMA trailer fix-up. 
Oh. Fixer FEMA. And then they, they take these old FEMA trailers that were never used, and then they turn them into tiny houses or something. Yep. Wouldn't that be great? That would be a show. Right now as I'm talking. You're taping the dog's collar to where it doesn't fray anymore? That's exactly yeah. what I'm doing. So I'm kind of away from the microphone. I know. I'm talking about FEMA trailers so I can get this Well, it just done. looks really ominous because all I see is you messing with a roll of tape and then doing something under your desk, so... Terrible. Let's play a game of what's Tony doing with tape under his desk in the pocket with the zipper. Oh, God. (laughs) 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Real Ghost Stories Online. Well, Sting here was trying. He's been slowly trying to destruct this collar of his. He's been chewing on it. So I I think I need some duct tape to do this. I don't think I have any duct tape in here. No. But uh, that's all that's going to work for you, buddy. Got to fix your collar. It's like a somebody puts a duct tape on their uh, like side mirror to keep it up. Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm really bandaging up this collar. Mm-hmm. There you go. Back to our ghost stories in just a moment. First, want to thank our supporter of the program today. It is the podcast Detective Trap from Wonderly. Oh, check this out. And three women disappear in Santa Ana, California, without a trace. It takes a bold, unwavering detective to seek justice. Detective Jolisa Trapp has always wanted to be a cop. And she is, but, but she's not like the other cops, okay? Not only is she the only woman on an otherwise all-male homicide squad, she also does her job in ways that some might view as, well, I guess you could call it unconventional. It's a brand new podcast from Wonderly in the Los Angeles Times. Detective Trap takes you into the life of a cop who conducts herself relentlessly. She does not give up. It's hosted by award-winning journalist Chris Gofford. Detective Trap is a story of a detective who fights through her own personal struggles and society's indifference to bring a serial killer to justice. It's a good one. Trap's strongest resource for catching dangerous criminals? Well personal experience. That's what a lot of things come down to, isn't it? Just kind of knowing what's going on because of what you've been through. While listening, make sure to subscribe to Detective Trap on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. You can also find the link in our episode notes. Check it out. Detective Trap. Uh, Let's go to our next story. It says, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I wrote in a little bit ago about my ghost friend, Cheryl. I have another story. This, uh, which is uh, really my sister's story. What I'm about to tell you happened before I was born. My mom told me that when he and my dad and older sister used to rent the apartment below my great grandma, she'd always hear something falling on the floor in the kitchen. She'd go and check and there'd be a package of napkins on the floor in the pantry. My sister, I believe, was around the age of three or so. And my dad was always gone at night because he's a truck driver. My mom said she was in bed alone one night, my sister in her crib, and she heard the toilet flush and the pitter-patter of little feet running down the hall and right up to the side of my mom's bed. My mom said she debated for a minute about whether to look or not and finally decided to look, and there was nothing there. At one point in that apartment, my parents had friends and family over. My sister was supposed to be sleeping, but she had gotten up and gone to my mom saying her stomach hurt. My mom said she was scared shitless when she saw my sister because she had a single horizontal red line under each eye going from the bottom of her eye to her jawbone. She said they resembled a Kool-Aid stain you get from the skin and clothes when you're not careful, but they were two straight red lines with no explanation. My sister also used to talk to her imaginary friend, Claudia. My mom would ask her who she's talking to, 
And that was always my sister's answer, Claudia. My mom asked my great-grandma if she had heard anything or knew anything odd about the house. My great-grandma told her that little girl had died in the house of pneumonia. Her parents had been too poor to buy her shoes, which contributed to the little girl getting sick. And as in the old days, they had they had, had a viewing in the front parlor of the apartment. The little girl's name was Claudia. When she was buried, she was buried with shoes. A little too late, but better late than never. When my great-grandma finally moved down into that bottom apartment due to age, she never said anything about seeing the little girl, though the little girl never caused any harm, just a few harmless pranks. Sorry, this is so long, but I have one more story about my great-grandma. Before I go, when my great-grandma was in her final months, she was moved up to my grandpa's house, which has always had ghosts, by the way. She took over the room us grandkids used to sleep in when we went over. After my great-grandpa passed, my great-grandma passed, we noticed one thing that happened to a few of us. If you stayed at my grandma and grandpa's house, the rule was the TV goes off at 10 p.m. One time, my cousin didn't shut the TV off at 10, and after a minute or so passed, the TV shut off on its own, and she saw my great-grandma's face on the TV screen. From then on, the TV was off a minute before 10 p.m. I have one other story to tell you, but I'll write in another time. Thank you for listening. Sorry I went so long. Once my husband and I get more situated financially, I'll become an EPP. Keep it spooky. I think that's interesting when kids start having imaginary playmates who have names from like a different time. I mean, I know Claudia is still a name that's around, but it's not a real common name like they would have heard on a TV show or something, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. And then come to find out that's the name of the person that died in the apartment. You know, it's going to be uh, confusing in uh, however many years. There's going to be this influx of ghosts with the same name. And it's going to be really confusing because these older names, it seems they, they were a little more unique, if you will. They, they, you didn't hear like there was three people of the same name in one. Fa- I mean, sometimes you would, you know, if it was like a name that was passed down from generation to generation. But it was like, oh, my cousin has that same name, too. And this, they were all, you know, for whatever reason, they were a little bit more uh, more unique. It seems that we I don't know. This is just my observation. But in the last 30, 40, 50 years, overused names much more heavily than I think they did 70, 80 years ago. Yeah. So there's going to be an influx of ghosts named Jenny. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, this you think of like the common names that were, were big in the 70s and 80s. And there's so many people with that name. And you'll have very many places, especially like apartment buildings and stuff where there's a lot of people. They'll be like, oh, that's. That's Jenny the Goat. Well, which Jenny? There's another Jenny Ghost on floor three. Yeah. You know, and it's it's going to be almost like in grade school where they'd be like, you're Jenny, insert letter here. Mm-hmm. And and where you just kind of went by an initial. Right. To make sure that, you know, I was, you know, I was Tony letter and, you know, right. all that. So it was, uh, I think you're going to have some of that going on. Mm-hmm. More confusion. Well, and then it's like with the re, you know, surgeons of old names being used again. Mm hmm. It's like, okay, is this, you know, Olivia from 1910 or Olivia from 2010? Placing the generation of it. Yeah. It's fairly easy to do that right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, come that point in time, it's not going to have uh, such ease right. uh, to do so. Yeah, it'll happen. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real 
ghost story with us. We would love to hear it. Uh, and I also, of course, want to let you know, if you've uh, not done so yet, we have the uh, the new podcast is out right now. Uh, launched it uh, by the time this airs uh, several weeks ago. Office Horror Stories. If you've not checked it out, please go and check out Office Horror Stories. Search it wherever you download podcasts. It should be there by now. Press subscribe and importantly, leave it a review. If you want to do something to help out the program uh, more than anything right now as we get that thing off the air, uh, it's leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That's where it really matters. That's where 90 some percent of all podcast download come from uh, right now. There's several other players, but Apple Podcasts is the big one. Um, so to help get that thing off the ground, please go check it out. It's it's Jen, it's me, it's Carol. Uh, it's very much like this show, except ghost, not ghost stories. It's crazy bosses, it's insane coworkers, it's adventures in in the workplace that uh, go awry. And it's it's a fun show to listen to. Everybody has one of those stories. Oh my god. Yeah. And then and you you realize you have far more than you even know. Because mm-hmm. what I found is just doing the show, it just brings back so many memories. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh my god, I forgot about that." Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if I'm ever going to hit the point on that show where it's like, "I think I've uh, I've I've gone through my brain in my inventory of shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, because it, it's just every time it's like, oh my God, yeah, there was that guy or that girl. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, holy, yeah. And there's there's times too where I'm trying to piece things back together going, there was somebody that was like that. Who was? And you're like, oh yeah, I did have a bo- or a coworker. It's amazing how, how fast things can fade away too that were really vivid and yeah. emotionally strung for a while. And now it's like, what was that? Yeah. But uh, it's a great show. I hope you guys like it if you've already been listening. But do check it out. Office Horror Stories. The website is officehorrorstories.com. And you can also share your office horror stories, just like you do your ghost stories, uh, just to let it all out. So please do check that out. We do uh, greatly appreciate the support uh, as we get that thing off the ground. Let's go to uh, a caller at 855-853-4802. Hi. I'm going to call this. The story is called The Coolest kid I never knew. 2013, the city of Boston had a marathon and uh, they had a tragic event. I never really paid much attention to it, although myself, I was originally born in Boston, but I was adopted as an infant and resided in Connecticut. After a period of time, fast forward to 2016, 2017, I remember watching a movie called Patriot's Day. And in this movie, I saw the tragedy that unfolded. I remember weeping uncontrollably at the scene of this little boy. And to my amazement, at the end of the movie, they had the actual pictures of these kids. And to my astonishment, this kid, his name is Martin. He looked identical to my son, my youngest son. I have two boys and two girls. As I said before, I'm an older gentleman. I'm 53. Two branches of the military, retired law enforcement, firefighter, all those good things. The issue was, for some apparent reason, I could not 
get this boy's face out of my mind. After a period of time, I found myself researching the incident on Google, looking at photos, everything, until one day, as my wife said that I was obsessed with him, I told my little son that I'm going to go for a ride, and I have something that I need to do. He wanted to come with me. And I said, now, maybe next time I'll take you, and I'll tell you all about it. So I went on a pilgrimage, Connecticut up to Boston, and on the way, it was Easter, and I stopped by the family cemeteries, pay my respects to my grandparents, and it was kind of an overcast New England day, really nothing of uh, greatness, but... The point is, is that the son, when I was visiting my mother's parents, saying a prayer for them at their, their site, I remember looking up and the sun came through the clouds. And I thought for a brief moment, hey, this is, this is beautiful. Maybe it's going to be a wonderful day. But the glimpse of this, I saw this vibrant set of colors, and in these colors was a gothic-style cross. Now, I'm talking vibrant colors around this cross that was almost laid flat, but at an angle that you could see coming down in the rays of the sunlight. And I remember saying to myself, did I just see what I thought I saw? So after that, I went and visited my father's side in another state, Rhode Island. And uh, I remember losing my uncle when I was very young. He was our fav my sister and uh, my favorite uncle to a car accident. And I remember standing over his grave, and I remember saying to him, I've got something to do today. And this feeling came over me of, yes, we know. For some reason, I had to make this pilgrimage. It just would not let me go. I found myself going all the way up to Boston to the Dorchester area, going to a cemetery in Dorchester, which... I will not say where it is because, you know, I respect the family. But the point is, is that I was on a pilgrimage to go to this boy's grave and say a prayer. I felt I needed to. And that I had this enormous weight on my shoulders and pressure that I just could not fathom as to why. When I got up to the cemetery... It was a very large cemetery in uh, South Boston, in the Dorchester area. And I couldn't find the stone. I remember a gentleman being there cleaning, and I asked, Do you know where the boy of Boston's grave is? And he said, Absolutely. It's right in the front over here by this pink stone. 
He said, thank you very much. I proceeded down. And to my amazement, when I looked over, I could not believe what I saw. That same Gothic cross in uh, mahogany wood was the boy's grave. It was unmarked. Although I knew I was at the right spot, because when I went over to it, there were all these little knickknacks and memorabilia for the boy, and there was what they call MR8, which is a a fund that the family brought together and made for the child to enhance other children in active activities in the community and sports, such and so on. When I saw that, I fell to my knees. And I said, thank you. Thank you for showing me where you're at. Thank you for letting me come. And thank you for just being who you were. Upon that, after I left, the time had passed, I was just kind of in dis- dismay as to what was transpiring. I went down the road. I found myself going up the street. I look over on my left. I'm going by the boy's house that he grew up. I couldn't believe it. I get to the end of the street. I make a, uh, a left, and there's a church at the end of the street, a nice brick church. I'm looking at it. The sun's shining through, and I'm thinking, that's a beautiful church. Now, when you're in Dorchester, predominantly Irish, I'm Italian. My birthright parents were from Salem and Marblehead. Now, as I stated before, I was I was adopted. This is going to come full circle. If you'd like to transcribe this into wording on your own, I don't have a problem with it, but... The issue is, is just as I came to the light and I no more than peered at the church thinking how beautiful it was, I went past it and I look over and there's a tent set up for MR8 sponsorship. Right away, I went right over and I found myself unable to speak. As I walked up to the tent, there was a woman at the tent and she looked at me like I was some kind of wackadoo. And I said, uh, I don't know why, but I just had to come here and pay my respects. I'm sorry for what happened, but I had to come. Something told me I had to come. The woman asked me where I was from. I told her. She said, well, that's what the little boy was about. No more hurting people. Peace. He showed you how to come here. I said, yes, he did. I said, and the worst part is, is he looks identical to my son. This woman behind her looked at me, turned and walked away. I did not know who that woman was. So on my pilgrimage home, I went into the center of Boston. I found myself on Boylston Street. I wanted to pay homage to where this tragedy took place. And as I'm standing, I'm looking I didn't realize I was standing in the exact same spot 
that this little boy passed away. Fast forward six months. Every now and then, I would continually think of this little boy, and I would get signs from him. One day I remember hearing a certain song, and I brought him into my mind, and as I'm on my way to work, I look at the plate in front of me, a Connecticut plate that said MR8. And that's just one of many. But I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'd really like to meet your parents. And I don't know if he brought that to fruition, but I ended up going to one of their dedications for a park that they built at the Children's Museum and meeting his father. What a wonderful man that individual is. Uh, completion of the park, I went back, not knowing they were there, and as I was walking to check to take a look at it, for the next week I was going to bring my son to the park. Him and his wife were walking out. And I had a discussion with him, and to my amazement, his wife was the woman originally at that MRA tent. And I spoke to them, and I told them that I'd visited him, and I asked Bill, I said, do you remember me, sir? And he says, yes, I do. You're Gary. He says, I have the letter you wrote to my son that you left at his grave. I was mortified. I felt foolish. I didn't know what to think. I said, well, I'm sorry, sir. He says, no. He says, I appreciate that. And Denise said to me, I'm glad that you go and visit him. And I showed him a picture of my son, and both of them could not believe what my son looked like in comparison to theirs. And I said, I don't want to bother you, but... I really appreciate what you're doing for the community and how well you've managed through this and that you have a friend. And I just want to say that Martin Richard was and is the coolest kid I've never known. That is such a neat and touching story. I think it's it's such an odd feeling when you're inexplicably drawn to someone or something from beyond like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, um, it's neat that he had the courage to go ahead and follow through with it. I think a lot of people would be like, I don't know why this is bothering me, but I'm going to, you know, stuff this away and ignore it and sure and go on. But, but following through, I think is really, is really neat. And then having the courage to even be able to talk to the family. Because, I mean, that, that obviously that's a difficult thing. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously the, the family um, has been out there uh, from, from what I'm understanding here in the story. Uh, you know, in the boy's memory uh, with the cause and all that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he stalked them down and they didn't no. want to talk to anybody. No. Um, but, um, it, you know, to, to get a message like that, um, I, I, I can't comprehend what it would be like as a parent to be in that situation and then to have someone come and share that uh, of what that must be like yeah but uh thank you for sharing uh that uh that that was a unique story we do appreciate getting that because um 
I don't know that we've had one like that, but that that's when I, I, I don't think I can say we've had any variation of that one in the past. No. No. Thank you for sharing that one with us. And that's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like our show, please keep us on the air. This is a place where you're free to share your ghost stories without reprisal. Sign up to be an extra podcast person. That's what keeps us on the air. Do it at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. <laughs> I'm coughing now. Until next time, for Jenny, I'm Tony. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>